Welcome to Wellspring on the Air, where professional Christian counselors share practical life and Bible insights. Why? Because hearts and minds matter. We're glad you joined our show today to hear from our host, Tova Kreps, president of Wellspring Counseling in Miami. Tova is a licensed therapist with many years of experience as a Christian counselor. Tova teaches, writes, and consults, and Life FM is pleased to have Wellspring Counseling restoring hearts and minds in our community. Welcome to Wellspring on the Air. I'm Tova, co-founder of Wellspring Counseling. Today's program is called Parenting Through Influence Instead of Control. And this is a follow-up to our radio show last week about our basic need for power in life and how that relates to being a parent and giving our kids power and also figuring out what part is our power in parenting. This program will discuss how parents can use influence instead of control to help your children make good choices. If you're not a parent, the principles apply to many relationships, as we'll be talking about how you influence others, respecting other people's need for the power of their own lives, as well as how to take control and the power of yours in the process and negotiate that with other people. So stay tuned even if you're not a parent. You'll learn some great things. If you missed last week's talk, which was about power as a whole, you can find it on wellspringmiami.org. But let's start with a short review of last week's radio program in which I gave an overview of our four basic emotional needs. This is just a simple summary of what drives you and me to do almost everything we do. We are motivated to get our needs met. We're also motivated to avoid pain of not getting them met and the suffering that comes with not having our basic needs met. So what are those basic needs? Goodness, relationship, significance, and power. And today we're focusing again on power, but particularly in relationship to our children. So I'm going to start with a couple, uh, more than a couple, five scenarios. Let's see if you can think about them with me. We're going to come back to them at the end of the show and say, what would you do if, if we followed these principles on parenting through influence instead of parenting through power and control? Let's say you have a toddler and they refuse to hold your hand while you're walking across the street. What do you do? Do you give them a choice of walking across the street without holding your hand? Do you not? Do you just manhandle them and pick them up? What do you do? What if you have an elementary child who's in trouble at school for hitting other children? What do you do about them? How can you control their choice of hitting other children? What do you do to manage it on your side? How do you influence them to stop doing that? Say you have a middle school child and they're lying about having done their homework. What do you have control over? What don't you? How do you influence that? Let's say you have a teenager. I know this is unlikely, but let's just say you have a teenager who won't get up and go to school on time. What are you going to do about that? How can you influence that? And what if you even have an adult child who's still living with you and won't clean up after themselves? All right, these are our scenarios. You think about what you would do, and together we'll come up with what might fit in these principles of how do you influence your children instead of control them? How do you help them choose good decisions instead of you powering down to make them choose the right thing or do the right thing. All right, so let's dive into talking about parenting and how it relates to our children and our need for power. First of all, I want to start with some definitions. What is the difference between control and influence? Well, control in the dictionary, good old Merriam-Webster, says something along the lines of the power to influence or direct people's behaviors or the course of events. Synonyms are power, authority, command, dominance, rule, mastery, sovereignty. It has that sense of someone who absolutely can make you behave the way they hope you will. So my definition is control is to limit the capacity of someone else to choose or to threaten the loss of their basic needs in order for them to do what you want or need them to do. You change their behavior by either limiting their choices or threatening the loss of some of their basic needs. 
All right. Influence is, according to the dictionary, the capacity to have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone or something or the effect itself. So it can be a noun or a verb, but influence is very similar, right, to control. It still makes the other person change their behavior, but it has more of the idea of persuasion. So synonyms would be like sway or guidance or direction or pressure instead of that direct physical control of the other or the threat. So here's my definition of influence, to persuade another to choose to do what we need them to do while still respecting their right to choose. So one, in influence, you're persuading them to choose, and in the control, you're trying to make them choose. Are you making them or persuading them? And what's the difference there? So those are the differences. I want to think about the idea here of taking away somebody's capacity to choose or threatening their basic needs. So when we think back to the four basic needs, goodness, relationship, significance, and power, let me flesh this out for you a little bit. So if you were trying to control as a parent your child's behavior and you use control instead of influence, you would, in the realm of goodness, you're basically threatening to take away their goodness. So goodness meaning not suffering. So if you threaten to make them suffer, you threaten pain, the loss of food and shelter, just their physical comfort, you're going to hurt them or harm them, or you're going to do something like that, then you are controlling them by taking away their basic need of goodness. In contrast, if you're trying to influence your child toward a certain behavior. And in the realm of goodness, what you're doing is you're persuading them that there will be rewards in the realm of goodness, abundance, goodies, pleasure, that their satisfaction, their comfort in life will be enhanced by making a good choice. That would be it on the side of influence. Let's try relationship. The controlling parent says, if you don't do that, I'm going to leave you alone at the store. They threaten abandonment. They threaten rejection. They make someone feel like you're not belong. You're not a part of this family if you do this or don't do that. So it's the, the threat of isolation. You know, you won't be able to be with your friends or talk to anybody or all that. So it's the taking away of basic needs versus influence, which is an offer for love for someone making a good choice. It's like, I'm going to notice when you do it right. I'm going to give you positive love and attention for good behavior instead of your bad. I'm going to give you affection when you choose right things, and I'm going to offer that. You're going to feel more a part of the family and more belonging because this is what we do in our family is we do these good things. That's what influence looks like in terms of relationship. How about significance? Controlling parents will say, I'm going to take away your good feelings about yourself, that you are a significant person. I'm going to diminish your value. So I'm going to threaten you that you'll feel ashamed or guilty. You do this or you'll feel ashamed, and I'll embarrass you in front of your friends or in front of the family, and I'm going to take away your sense of value. Or I'm going to mock you. You know, you didn't do what you should have done, and why'd you do that, or why'd you do this? And so you're causing them shame and a loss of significance. A lot. They're diminished as a person. That's controlling. Influence is where you offer higher levels of significance for good choices. So, wow, look at what you did. I see what you could do. It's where you predict that they have value, that they will make good choices, where you say, that's so unlike you to do it this way. I know you'll do it, make a good choice in the future. You're predicting that wisdom and their success in growing, and so you're offering to increase their significance through your influence. Lastly, there's power. So again, the controlling parent takes away the choices. You just take it all away. They can't go anywhere. They can't do anything. They have no choice but to 
be where you want them to be and do what you want them to do because there are no other choices. You make them more helpless, you take away that choice. And the influencing parent uses power and offers more power and more respect and more choices as a reward for having behaved well. That's influence. I hope it's starting to make a little bit of sense to you now. All right, so I'm just going to go through those two lists again one more way, and I'll just talk about how you do it, but what the consequences are long-term for using control on a consistent, regular basis in your parenting style versus influence on a consistent, regular basis. Now, let's just face it. We're all going to use both sometimes, but we're talking about kind of what is your pattern of parenting and how, or for those of you who aren't parents, what is your pattern in relationship to other people And how do you change that so that you use more influence and more control? And what are the rewards or the consequences if you don't? So my goal right now is to influence you to use influence, okay? So here's the list of why I want to persuade you that it's worth it to make the extra effort to use influence. So first of all, if you consistently control, you will damage relationships. Because you are violating their individuality, because you're taking away their power and taking away their their goodness and their relationship, trust will be broken. And as trust is broken because the person feels disrespected by you because you're constantly controlling them and making them do things, they will lose trust, lose relationship with you. So long-term, consistent, controlling parents damage the relationship. In contrast, influential parents build relationships by respecting their right to choose. They feel loved by you. They learn to trust you. They learn to feel respected by you. And so the relationship gets bigger and stronger over time. So controlling damages relationship. Secondly, controlling lower self-esteem. So your goal is, hopefully, most of us, we really do love our kids. Our goal is to have strong children with good self-esteem so they can be confident and successful. The problem is if you control them all the time, you're giving a constant message. It may only be implied, but the constant message is you need to depend on me, which means you aren't capable. You are going to choose poorly if I let you, so I have to take away all your choices. So I don't believe you'll choose wisely. So it's like you're implying you think they will fail if you let them. You, you imply they are incapable of good choices. So there are these constant subtle messages that lower and diminish the self-esteem of your our children or the people around us. Influential parents are constantly giving regular messages that raise self-esteem. So it says, I believe you'll make good choices, so I'm going to let you make them. It predicts that success and a capacity succeeds. So it says to the child over and over and over again, I believe in you. I believe in you. You can do it. All right. Consistent controlling parents also end up as a result with children who are actually more rebellious. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. You will have more rebellious children if you are constantly in a power struggle with them. If you are in a win-lose relationship, sooner or later, they're going to try to make you lose and they're going to rebel because they're tired of being the loser. If, in contrast, you are an influential parent, you will increase cooperation. Why? Because you're partnering together. You're coming alongside your child and you're saying, I'm a relationship partner with you. I want you to succeed and I want to help you make good choices, but they're all yours. And as you do that, they want to cooperate with you because they're on your side. You're on their side. And so cooperation is increased instead of rebellion. Another result of controlling parenting as a consistent style is that our children become actually poor decision makers because they haven't had very many opportunities. If you decide everything for them because you know better, they will become less confident. Whereas if you influence them, you give them opportunities to practice 
even practice making bad decisions, but then the next time they'll make betters. If it's all your decision, they get no practice. Then they get out there, they get into college, they get into adult life, and they have no ability to weigh the odds. Should I or shouldn't I? What should I do or shouldn't I do? Because it was always taken from them, and they didn't have choices. Now they have choices, and they don't know what to do with them. They are not skilled decision makers. Another consequence of consistent controlling parents is that your children will actually become less responsible people. Influential parents will have more responsible children. Why? Because if you aren't making choices, you aren't in the habit of taking responsibility for yourself. So you don't take the blame and you blame everybody else because everyone else made the choice. So they're to blame. It's not your choice. It's not your responsibility. And you have an excuse. You always have an excuse. Well, I didn't decide to do it. They made me do it. You never have to own your responsibilities and feel the effect of that. It diminishes your capacity to be a leader because you don't know how to take that responsibility and just really own it. And influential parents, those kids become responsible because they're owning their choices and the consequences on a regular basis without blaming or excusing uh, with other people. Kind of a side note to that is that over time, if you're constantly blaming everybody else and not taking responsibility for yourself, you're likely to develop either as a victim and or an offender. So being in those win-lose relationships, constantly blaming everybody else for their choices, it's you're no longer responsible, so you're a victim or you're the bully. And in contrast, again, the influential parent develops individuals who feel empowered to make their own choices. And so they become interdependent with other people. They aren't either victims or offenders. They're people who partner with other people to make decisions because they believe I make my choices, but I want other people to give me wisdom. I want other people to help me make those choices. They pull people in in an interdependent, healthy way, which brings us to the word healthy. So consistent controlling parents actually end up with children with very unhealthy boundaries because they don't know what is their responsibility and what is others. So they are stepping into other people's space where they shouldn't or too rigid in their boundaries. They, they don't have a really good sense of what's mine and what's yours and how do I negotiate that with other people. Children of influential parents have healthy boundaries with others because they've been taught it day in, day out, decision in, decision out. Two more consequences. One is being unteachable if you're under consistent controlling parents, because it's threatening to make a choice because you're going to be shamed or you're going to be criticized, you're going to feel bad about yourself, you become unteachable. It becomes unbearable to have anyone correct you ever. And so you have less growth and maturity over time because you don't, you never want to hear feedback. You never want to be, take that responsibility yourself. You don't want to be teachable. Whereas people who are consistently being influenced to make choices themselves, they begin to say, oh, that was a good choice. That wasn't. They can tolerate their failure. They can tolerate hearing corrective feedback. So the consequences, they become wiser and they have an ongoing growth and development in their lives to become more mature and more powerful people. Last one, controlling parents tend to have children who are less resilient from failure. Again, the same thing. Because they can't overcome failure or be teachable because it just is like a weight of one more bad thing they've done, they have a much less likely chance of achieving in life because resilience means you can overcome failures. And that's one of the central ingredients for success in life is the capacity to bounce back from failures, to not take it personally, to learn from it and to grow and to move on. All right, have I persuaded you to be an influential parent instead of a controlling parent or to be an influential person in your life instead of a controlling person in your life? I hope so. I'm going to take a quick break here. We'll be right back to have more talk about this. And what I'm going to do in the second half of the show is the how-tos of to parent with influence. 
Traumatized youth are evident in all walks of society, in the news, and in our communities. Wellspring Counseling helps community youth overcome the traumas of violence, sexual abuse, grief, and loss through a summer program called Bounce. Bounce Trauma Resolution Program helps youth process their trauma and learn resilience through intensive experiential therapies like art and horse-assisted therapy in a fun, camp-like Christian atmosphere. This program is partially funded by a Miami-Dade County grant, but we still need your support. Would you sponsor a youth who has experienced a severe traumatic event in Miami-Dade County to attend Bounce? Go to wellspringmiami.org bounce or call 786-573-7010 to donate by phone. Welcome back to Wellspring on the Air. This is Tova Kreps. If you're just joining our show today, our topic is how to parent through influence instead of control. If you missed the beginning of this show, you can find it later on wellspringmiami.org. We always have a recording of our prior show, so go back to it and you can catch that yourself. So far today, we've talked about the difference between using control or influence to help our children make good choices why controlling parenting style backfires on us, and how influence builds strong relationships in children. Again, if you missed that, catch it on our website, but we're going to move on. Just join us for the rest of the show as we move forward. And again, if you're not a parent, stay tuned anyway, because this actually applies to all of our relationships. All right, I've got seven steps here. Number one, how to parent through influence. Number one, be an influential person. Basically, There's a lot of research on that, but what is it that makes somebody influential? I want you to think in your own life. Who has had the greatest positive influence on your life, and why are they influential? The answers that come out consistently in research are that the person is respected. We tend to let people influence us who we respect and who we trust because they have established integrity with us. If we trust they care about us and we trust that they are consistent, then we respect them. And when we respect them, we care what they think about us. We care what they do. We care what they approve of or disapprove of. We care to be like them. And so they become a person of influence in us. So if you want to be an influential parent, you need to be an influential person, someone who is trusted, consistent, has integrity, cares about your children, and is respected by them because they know they can trust you. No matter what, your kids should say, oh, I can tell my mom because she will, she'll be there for me. I can tell my dad because he's going to help me handle it. This is about servant leadership. You develop this respect by serving those that are under your authority. It's the, what the Bible says. The Bible says, that leaders should serve. Why? Because it develops authority. It develops influence. When we lead through service, when we care more about people under us than we do about ourselves, they will do anything for us. They will walk over hot coals for us because we love them so consistently with integrity. They will want to do anything we ask them to do. That's how you become a parent of influence. You must be a consistent, loving parent, other-centered, caring for your kids. All right, that's number one. Number two, you need to know exactly what you do and do not have control over and what you're responsible for. So as a parent, here's the key. You are responsible 
for yourself as a parent. You are actually not, I know this is a, this is a newsflash, you're actually not responsible for your children's choices. You are responsible for your parenting choices. That's what's in your responsibility, not the outcomes of your children, but your faithfulness as a parent. That's your responsibility. Secondly, you are in control of your thoughts, your words, your actions, and your attitudes. Nothing more and nothing less. So you are responsible. Your kid did not make you yell. You chose to yell. Your child did not make you have a bad attitude, nor did you make your child have a bad attitude, nor did you make your child say things or do things. You're responsible for you. They're responsible for them. From the time they are little children, two years old, they start growing and they, their responsibility increases until they're teens. And then they have full responsibility for their actions and their words and their attitudes and even their own thinking. You can't change your kids' thoughts. You can try, but it's not in your control. You cannot make them happy. You cannot make them love you. You cannot make them do those things. You can physically make them sit down if you want to use a whole lot of control, but good luck with that. It just doesn't last very long. You're about done with that by the time they're three years old. All right, so you need to know what you have control over and what you don't. Number three, you need to know whose problem it is. Now, this is a longer talk on another day, but the concept here is who owns the problem? So you have a child who's misbehaving and you have the problem. Let's say your child, let's pick our teenager who's late for school. I actually had this one. This is why I know this problem. I had to get to work earlier than they did. So they didn't care if I was late. I cared if I was late. So who owns the problem on them getting up late? Me. I have a problem because I'm getting to work late. So what I needed to do in that situation was figure out how to make it their problem. So I'm going to tell you exactly what I did and hope my kids aren't listening. But this is true. I actually decided how do I make it their problem to get up on time. So I took their clothes, a set of school clothes. They had uniforms and put them in a bag. I put some food in there and a comb, you know, some breakfast food. And I had bags stashed and ready to go. So if they didn't get up, I was okay with them just getting in the car in their pajamas. Now, I will tell you, they were not okay with getting in the car with their pajamas and having to dress in the car, having to comb their dry toothbrush or, or a piece of gum. They were really not happy with it, but I made it their problem. And then eventually I had to add in, you know, we didn't have Uber then, but the cab. I had to really orchestrate that. It took a lot of planning on my part to figure out how to master that because it wasn't their problem. It was my problem. Their only problem was my anger, and it was a really small price to pay for getting to sleep a little extra. So... How do you make your kids' problems their problems? How do you know whose problem it is? And then what do you have control over? So I had control over getting in the car or not. I actually didn't. If they'd refused, that was my backup with the cab, and I had a neighbor to step in. So I was ready and braced for the day I did that. Really only took about three days, and it was solved. They understood it. And so sometimes you got to work really hard at this parenting thing, but you got to figure out who has the problem and what you do and don't have control over. Okay. How do you parent through influence? Be an influential person. Know what you have control over. Know who owns the problem. Number four, learn the tools of persuasion. All right. First of all, the most persuasive tool you have is your love and approval. Now, I'm not saying you threaten to take your love away at all, but I am saying your approval is very valuable. So don't dole it out easily. Wait until they do it. It is very valuable to them, especially if you are influential in their life. Kids, we want our parents to be happy with us. We want to please our parents. We want that connection. It's the most powerful tool you have. Your attention to them and your approval of them. So don't use it to be mean, but put it out there as the greatest carrot there is, attending to them when they get it right. So watch out for critical judgments, quick judgments, and hold your tongue on your opinions. 
One of the other tools of your persuasion is to figure out what your choices are if they make their choices. So they choose to be late. You can choose to this. I used to say, I don't do favors for people who treat me badly. Now, I don't feel like I really had a choice to not take care of my children's basic needs. I don't think we do. We need to not deprive them of food and shelter and going to school and their basic things. But we do not have to give them goodies. We do not have to take them to their friend's house. We don't have to buy extra things. There are a lot of favors that we give our kids. Those are in my control. So I remember my teenager, my youngest, one day we were driving and she talked to me with some pretty bad attitude in the car on the way somewhere. And I just turned the car around and went home. She goes, what are you doing? I'm supposed to be there. What are you doing? And I said, well, I don't do favors for people who treat me poorly. That was in my control. I didn't have to do that. And it was a bad day, but she didn't do that in the future. She recognized that that was an expectation in our family was treating each other respectfully and not with attitude. All right. You can help them. What's your tool? Help them see their choices clearly. Talk it through with them. Help them know what will happen, you know, and actually better yet, ask them to consider what will happen if they do that. So what will happen if you keep hitting your friends? What will happen if you don't do this? You know, and let them begin to anticipate. Don't tell them all the answers. If you don't do that, this will happen. If you don't do that, da 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 da. That's our tendency is to give them all that information. Ask. So what what do you think would happen? And how do you feel about that? Will you feel good better about yourself or worse about yourself if you make that choice? So beginning to help them describe their choices and what will happen if they do them. And then our job is to, here's a tough one, sympathize with their consequences. When they make a bad choice, we need to sympathize with their consequences. That's a tough one. As opposed to, I told you so, that's the easy way to go. Don't do it. All right. Don't shame or scold your children's bad choices. Um, I told you to turn out that way. You don't need to do that. All right. Number five, accept that this is hard to do. Why? Because we have pride as parents. We're embarrassed. We fear failure as parents. We fear the outcomes. We have lots of fears. And so give yourself a break. It's really hard to do this. Six, take it to God. He is your role model. God gives us way more choices than we probably should have or, you know, lots of freedom to fail. Just think about how God hems you in before and behind but doesn't control you in the process. Scripture tells us that. Go to Scripture. Ask God to control your kids when you can't. He has control you don't have he has sovereignty you don't have and then number seven try it over again and again and again because if you screw it up the first time here's the good news and the bad news the behavior is just going to come right back so you get to try it again a new way so don't give up be resilient with your failures try it a new way the next time let your spouse to try it their way then you try it your way see what happens If it resolves itself, you never have to do it again and it worked good enough all right so give yourself some freedom to do that I want to go back very quickly, and let's talk about that. I already talked about the teenager not getting up on time. The toddler, you have choices. Are you going to carry them across the street? That's not a bad choice when they're really little. But better yet, if you can pull it off, is to sit at the side of the street and wait until they will hold your hand. Wait. Wait for obedience. Expect obedience. Look them in the face and say, I need you to hold my hand, and when you do, we'll cross the street. Give them the choice whenever you can. That middle school child lying about your homework, oh, that's a longer story. I may save it for another day because we're almost out of time. But you have choices about teaching them and orchestrating it and figuring out what the teachers are going to do and working at that. But let the consequences be as natural as possible. That's my advice. What are the natural consequences for lying? Going back and apologizing. That's different than taking away their phone for a day. Let them get connected to their choices and their behaviors and the consequences of it. All right. 
That leads us very quickly to the end of our show. I want to thank you for joining me today. If you or your company want to support us or sponsor us, that would be great. Just email us, wellspringmiami.org. You can find us online. It's time to wrap up. This is Tova Kreps with Wellspring on the Air because hearts and minds matter. Wellspring on the Air is a production of Wellspring Counseling, a nonprofit professional counseling center with multiple locations in Miami-Dade County. Wellspring therapists are licensed by the state of Florida and Christian in their worldviews. They have wide ranges of clinical expertise, including marriage, family, anxiety, depression, and trauma. Their diverse group of therapists includes several who speak Spanish or Portuguese. If you would like to know more about Wellspring's services of counseling and education, go to their website at wellspringmiami.org or give them a call at 786-573-7010 or email them at ontheair at wellspringmiami.org. Again, you can find a way to contact them at wellspringmiami.org. Welcome to Wellspring on the Air, where professional Christian counselors share practical life and Bible insights. Why? Because hearts and minds matter. We're glad you joined our show today to hear from our host, Tova Kreps, president of Wellspring Counseling in Miami. Tova is a licensed therapist with many years of experience as a Christian counselor. Tova teaches, writes, and consults, and LifeFM is pleased to have Wellspring Counseling restoring hearts and minds in our community. Welcome to Wellspring on the Air. I'm Tova, co-founder of Wellspring Counseling. Today's program is called Parenting Through Influence Instead of Control. And this is a follow-up to our radio show last week about our basic need for power in life and how that relates to being a parent and giving our kids power and also figuring out what part is our power in parenting. This program will discuss how parents can use influence instead of control to help your children make good choices. If you're not a parent, the principles apply to many relationships, as we'll be talking about how you influence others, respecting other people's need for the power of their own lives, as well as how to take control and the power of yours in the process and negotiate that with other people. So stay tuned even if you're not a parent. You'll learn some great things. If you missed last week's talk, which was about power as a whole, you can find it on wellspringmiami.org. But let's start with a short review of last week's radio program in which I gave an overview of our four basic emotional needs. This is just a simple summary of what drives you and me to do almost everything we do. We are motivated to get our needs met. We're also motivated to avoid pain of not getting them met and the suffering that comes with not having our basic needs met. So what are those basic needs? Goodness, relationship, significance, and power. And today we're focusing again on power, but particularly in relationship to our children. So I'm going to start with a couple, uh, more than a couple, five scenarios. Let's see if you can think about them with me. We're going to come back to them at the end of the show and say, what would you do if, if we followed these principles on parenting through influence instead of parenting through power and control? Let's say you have a toddler and they refuse to hold your hand while you're walking across the street. What do you do? Do you give them a choice of walking across the street without holding your hand? Do you not? Do you just manhandle them and pick them up? What do you do? What if you have an elementary child who's in trouble at school for hitting other children? What do you do about them? How can you control their choice of hitting other children? What do you do to manage it on your side? How do you influence them to stop doing that? Say you have a middle school child and they're lying about having done their homework. What do you have control over? What don't you? How do you influence that? Let's say you have a teenager. I know this is unlikely, but let's just say you have a teenager who won't get up and go to school on time. What are you going to do about that? How can you influence that? And what if you even have an adult child who's still living with you and won't clean up after themselves? 
All right, these are our scenarios. You think about what you would do, and together we'll come up with what might fit in these principles of how do you influence your children instead of control them? How do you help them choose good decisions instead of you powering down to make them choose the right thing or do the right thing? All right, so let's dive into talking about parenting and how it relates to our children and our need for power. First of all, I want to start with some definitions. What is the difference between control and influence? Well, control in the dictionary, good old Merriam-Webster, says something along the lines of the power to influence or direct people's behaviors or the course of events. Synonyms are power, authority, command, dominance, rule, mastery, sovereignty. It has that sense of someone who absolutely can make you behave the way they hope you will. So my definition is control is to limit the capacity of someone else to choose or to threaten the loss of their basic needs in order for them to do what you want or need them to do. You change their behavior by either limiting their choices or threatening the loss of some of their basic needs. All right. Influence is, according to the dictionary, the capacity to have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone or something or the effect itself. So it can be a noun or a verb, but influence is very similar, right, to control. It still makes the other person change their behavior, but it has more of the idea of persuasion. So synonyms would be like sway or guidance or direction or pressure instead of that direct physical control of the other or the threat. So here's my definition of influence, to persuade another to choose to do what we need them to do while still respecting their right to choose. So one, in influence, you're persuading them to choose, and in the control, you're trying to make them choose. Are you making them or persuading them? And what's the difference there? So those are the differences. I want to think about the idea here of taking away somebody's capacity to choose or threatening their basic needs. So when we think back to the four basic needs, goodness, relationship, significance, and power, let me flesh this out for you a little bit. So if you were trying to control as a parent your child's behavior and you use control instead of influence, you would In the realm of goodness, you're basically threatening to take away their goodness. So goodness meaning not suffering. So if you threaten to make them suffer, you threaten pain, the loss of food and shelter, just their physical comfort, you're going to hurt them or harm them or you're going to do something like that, then you are controlling them by taking away their basic need of goodness. In contrast, if you're trying to influence your child toward a certain behavior. And in the realm of goodness, what you're doing is you're persuading them that there will be rewards in the realm of goodness, abundance, goodies, pleasure, that their satisfaction, their comfort in life will be enhanced by making a good choice. That would be on the side of influence. Let's try relationship. The controlling parent says, if you don't do that, I'm going to leave you alone at the store. They threaten abandonment. They threaten rejection. They make someone feel like you're not belonging. You're not a part of this family if you do this or don't do that. So it's the, the threat of isolation. You know, you won't be able to be with your friends or talk to anybody or all that. So it's the taking away of basic needs versus influence, which is an offer for love for someone making a good choice. It's like, I'm going to notice when you do it right. I'm going to give you positive love and attention for good behavior instead of your bad. I'm going to give you affection when you choose right things, and I'm going to offer that. You're going to feel more a part of the family and more belonging because this is what we do in our family is we do these good things. That's what influence looks like in terms of relationship. How about significance? 
controlling parents will say, I'm going to take away your good feelings about yourself, that you are a significant person. I'm going to diminish your value. So I'm going to threaten you that you'll feel ashamed or guilty. You do this or you'll feel ashamed and I'll embarrass you in front of your friends or in front of the family and I'm going to take away your sense of value or I'm going to mock you. You know, you didn't do what you should have done and why'd you do that or why'd you do this? And so you're causing them shame and a loss of significance. A lot. They're diminished as a person. That's controlling. Influence is where you offer higher levels of significance for good choices. So, wow, look at what you did. I see what you could do. It's where you predict that they have value, that they will make good choices, where you say, that's so unlike you to do it this way. I know you'll do it, make a good choice in the future. You're predicting that wisdom and their success in growing, and so you're offering to increase their significance through your influence. Lastly, there's power. So again, the controlling parent takes away the choices. You just take it all away. They can't go anywhere. They can't do anything. They have no choice but to be where you want them to be and do what you want them to do because there are no other choices. You make them more helpless. You take away that choice. And the influencing parent uses power and offers more power and more respect and more choices as a reward for having behaved well. That's influence. I hope it's starting to make a little bit of sense to you now. All right, so I'm just going to go through those two lists again one more way, and I'll just talk about how you do it, but what the consequences are long-term for using control on a consistent regular basis in your parenting style versus influence on a consistent regular basis. Now let's just face it, we're all going to use both sometimes, but we're talking about kind of what is your pattern of parenting and how, or for those of you who aren't parents, what is your pattern in relationship to other people and how do you change that so that you use more influence and more control and what are the rewards or the consequences if you don't so my goal right now is to influence you to use influence okay so here's the list of why i want to persuade you that it's worth it to make the extra effort to use influence so first of all if you consistently control you will damage relationships because you are violating their individuality because you're taking away their power and taking away their their goodness and their relationship, trust will be broken. And as trust is broken because the person feels disrespected by you because you're constantly controlling them and making them do things, they will lose trust, lose relationship with you. So long-term, consistent controlling parents damage the relationship. In contrast, influential parents build relationships by respecting their right to choose. They feel loved by you. They learn to trust you. They learn to feel respected by you. And so the relationship gets bigger and stronger over time. So controlling damages relationship. Secondly, controlling lower self-esteem. So your goal is, hopefully, most of us, we really do love our kids. Our goal is to have strong children with good self-esteem so they can be confident and successful. The problem is if you control them all the time, you're giving a constant message. It may only be implied, but the constant message is you need to depend on me, which means you aren't capable. You are going to choose poorly if I let you, so I have to take away all your choices. So I don't believe you'll choose wisely. So it's like you're implying you think they will fail if you let them. You, you imply they are incapable of good choices. So there are these constant subtle messages that lower and diminish the self-esteem of your children or the people around us. 
Influential parents are constantly giving regular messages that raise self-esteem. So it says, I believe you'll make good choices, so I'm going to let you make them. It predicts that success and a capacity to succeed. So it says to the child over and over and over again, I believe in you. I believe in you. You can do it. All right, consistent controlling parents also end up as a result with children who are actually more rebellious. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. You will have more rebellious children if you are constantly in a power struggle with them. If you are in a win-lose relationship, sooner or later, they're going to try to make you lose and they're going to rebel because they're tired of being the loser. If, in contrast, you are an influential parent, you will increase cooperation. Why? Because you're partnering together. You're coming alongside your child and you're saying, I'm a relationship partner with you. I want you to succeed and I want to help you make good choices, but they're all yours. And as you do that, they want to cooperate with you because they're on your side. You're on their side. And so cooperation is increased instead of rebellion. Another result of controlling parenting as a consistent style is that our children become actually poor decision makers because they haven't had very many opportunities. If you decide everything for them because you know better, they will become less confident. Whereas if you influence them, you give them opportunities to practice, even practice making bad decisions, but then the next time they'll make betters. If it's all your decision, they get no practice. Then they get out there, they get into college, they get into adult life, and they have no ability to weigh the odds. Should I or shouldn't I? What should I do or shouldn't I do? Because it was always taken from them, and they didn't have choices. Now they have choices, and they don't know what to do with them. They are not skilled decision makers. Another consequence of consistent controlling parents is that your children will actually become less responsible people. Influential parents will have more responsible children. Why? Because if you aren't making choices, you aren't in the habit of taking responsibility for yourself. So you don't take the blame and you blame everybody else because everyone else made the choice. So they're to blame. It's not your choice. It's not your responsibility. And you have an excuse. You always have an excuse. Well, I didn't decide to do it. They made me do it. You never have to own your responsibilities and feel the effect of that. It diminishes your capacity to be a leader because you don't know how to take that responsibility and just really own it. And influential parents, those kids become responsible because they're owning their choices and the consequences on a regular basis without blaming or excusing. Uh, with other people. Kind of a side note to that is that over time, if you're constantly blaming everybody else and not taking responsibility for yourself, you're likely to develop either as a victim and or an offender. So being in those win-lose relationships, constantly blaming everybody else for their choices, it's you're no longer responsible, so you're a victim or you're the bully. And in contrast, again, the influential parent develops individuals who feel empowered to make their own choices. And so they become interdependent with other people. They aren't either victims or offenders. They're people who partner with other people to make decisions because they believe I make my choices, but I want other people to give me wisdom. I want other people to help me make those choices. They pull people in in an interdependent, healthy way, which brings us to the word healthy. So consistent controlling parents actually end up with children with very unhealthy boundaries because they don't know what is their responsibility and what is others. So they are stepping into other people's space where they shouldn't or too rigid in their boundaries. They, they don't have a really good sense of what's mine and what's yours and how do I negotiate that with other people. Children of influential parents have healthy boundaries with others because they've been taught it day in, day out, decision in, decision out. Two more consequences. One is being unteachable if you're under consistent controlling parents. Because it's 
threatening to make a choice because you're going to be shamed or you're going to be criticized. You're going to feel bad about yourself. You become unteachable. It becomes unbearable to have anyone correct you ever. And so you have less growth and maturity over time because you don't, you never want to hear feedback. You never want to be, take that responsibility yourself. You don't want to be teachable. Whereas people who are consistently being influenced to make choices themselves, they begin to say, oh, that was a good choice. That wasn't. They can tolerate their failure. They can tolerate hearing corrective feedback. So the consequences, they become wiser and they have an ongoing growth and development in their lives to become more mature and more powerful people. Last one, controlling parents tend to have children who are less resilient from failure. Again, the same thing. Because they can't overcome failure or be teachable because it just is like a weight of one more bad thing they've done, they have a much less likely chance of achieving in life because resilience means you can overcome failures. And that's one of the central ingredients for success in life is the capacity to bounce back from failures, to not take it personally, to learn from it and to grow and to move on. All right, have I persuaded you to be an influential parent instead of a controlling parent or to be an influential person in your life instead of a controlling person in your life? I hope so. I'm going to take a quick break here. We'll be right back to have more talk about this. And what I'm going to do in the second half of the show is the how-tos to parent with influence. Traumatized youth are evident in all walks of society, in the news and in our communities. Wellspring Counseling helps community youth overcome the traumas of violence, sexual abuse, grief, and loss through a summer program called Bounce. Bounce Trauma Resolution Program helps youth process their trauma and learn resilience through intensive experiential therapies like art and horse-assisted therapy in a fun, camp-like Christian atmosphere. This program is partially funded by a Miami-Dade County grant, but we still need your support. Would you sponsor a youth who has experienced a severe traumatic event in Miami-Dade County to attend Bounce? Go to wellspringmiami.org slash bounce or call 786-573-7010 to donate by phone. Welcome back to Wellspring on the Air. This is Tova Kreps. If you're just joining our show today, our topic is how to parent through influence instead of control. If you missed the beginning of this show, you can find it later on wellspringmiami.org. We always have a recording of our prior shows, so go back to it and you can catch that yourself. So far today, we've talked about the difference between using control or influence to help our children make good choices why controlling parenting style backfires on us, and how influence builds strong relationships in children. Again, if you missed that, catch it on our website, but we're going to move on. Just join us for the rest of the show as we move forward. And again, if you're not a parent, stay tuned anyway, because this actually applies to all of our relationships. All right, I've got seven steps here. Number one, how to parent through influence. Number one, be an influential person. Basically, There's a lot of research on that, but what is it that makes somebody influential? I want you to think in your own life. Who has had the greatest positive influence on your life, and why are they influential? The answers that come out consistently in research are that the person is respected. We tend to let people influence us who we respect and who we trust because they have established integrity with us. If we trust they care about us and we trust that they are consistent, then we respect them. And when we respect them, we care what they think about us. We care what they do. We care what they approve of or disapprove of. We care to be like them. And so they become a person of influence in us. So if you want to be an influential parent, 
You need to be an influential person, someone who is trusted, consistent, has integrity, cares about your children, and is respected by them because they know they can trust you. No matter what, your kids should say, oh, I can tell my mom because she will, she'll be there for me. I can tell my dad because he's going to help me handle it. This is about servant leadership. You develop this respect by serving those that are under your authority. It's what the Bible says. The Bible says that leaders should serve. Why? Because it develops authority. It develops influence. When we lead through service, when we care more about people under us than we do about ourselves, they will do anything for us. They will walk over hot coals for us because we love them so consistently with integrity. They will want to do anything we ask them to do. That's how you become a parent of influence. You must be a consistent, loving parent, other-centered, caring for your kids. All right, that's number one. Number two, you need to know exactly what you do and do not have control over and what you're responsible for. So as a parent, here's the key. You are responsible for yourself as a parent. You are actually not, I know this is a this is a newsflash, you're actually not responsible for your children's choices. You are responsible for your parenting choices. That's what's in your responsibility, not the outcomes of your children, but your faithfulness as a parent. That's your responsibility. Secondly, you are in control of your thoughts, your words, your actions, and your attitudes. Nothing more and nothing less. So, you are responsible. Your kid did not make you yell. You chose to yell. Your child did not make you have a bad attitude, nor did you make your child have a bad attitude, nor did you make your child say things or do things. You're responsible for you. They're responsible for them. From the time they are little children, two years old, they start growing and they, their responsibility increases until they're teens. And then they have full responsibility for their actions and their words and their attitudes, and even their own thinking. You can't change your kids' thoughts. You can try, but it's not in your control. You cannot make them happy. You cannot make them love you. You cannot make them do those things. You can physically make them sit down if you want to use a whole lot of control, but good luck with that. It just doesn't last very long. You're about done with that by the time they're three years old. All right, so you need to know what you have control over and what you don't. Number three, you need to know whose problem it is. Now, this is a longer talk on another day. But the concept here is who owns the problem? So you have a child who's misbehaving and you have the problem. Let's say your child, let's pick our teenager who's late for school. I actually had this one. This is why I know this problem. I had to get to work earlier than they did. So they didn't care if I was late. I cared if I was late. So who owns the problem on them getting up late? Me. I have a problem because I'm getting to work late. So what I needed to do in that situation was figure out how to make it their problem. So I'm going to tell you exactly what I did and hope my kids aren't listening. But this is true. I actually decided how do I make it their problem to get up on time. So I took their clothes, a set of school clothes. I had uniforms and put them in a bag. I put some food in there and a comb, you know, some breakfast food. And I had bags stashed and ready to go. So if they didn't get up, I was okay with them just getting in the car in their pajamas. Now, I will tell you, they were not okay with getting in the car with their pajamas and having to dress in the car, having to comb their dry toothbrush or or a piece of gum. They were really not happy with it, but I made it their problem. And then eventually I had to add in, you know, we didn't have Uber then, but the cab. I had to really orchestrate that. It took a lot of planning on my part to figure out how to master that because it wasn't their problem. It was my problem. Their only problem was my anger, and it was a really small price to pay for getting to sleep a little extra. So... How do you make your kids' problems their problems? How do you know whose problem it is? And then what do you have control over? So I had control over 
getting in the car or not. I actually didn't. If they'd refused, that was my backup with the cab, and I had a neighbor to step in. So I was ready and braced for the day I did that. Really only took about three days and it was solved. They understood it. And so sometimes you got to work really hard at this parenting thing, but you got to figure out who has the problem and what you do and don't have control over. Okay. How do you parent through influence? Be an influential person. Know what you have control over. Know who owns the problem. Number four, learn the tools of persuasion. All right. First of all, the most persuasive tool you have is your love and approval. Now, I'm not saying you threaten to take your love away at all. But I am saying your approval is very valuable. So don't dole it out easily. Wait until they do it. It is very valuable to them, especially if you are influential in their life. Kids, we want our parents to be happy with us. We want to please our parents. We want that connection. It's the most powerful tool you have. Your attention to them and your approval of them. So don't use it to be mean, but put it out there as the greatest carrot there is, attending to them when they get it right. So watch out for critical judgments, quick judgments, and hold your tongue on your opinions. One of the other tools of your persuasion is to figure out what your choices are if they make their choices. So they choose to be late, you can choose to this. I used to say, I don't do favors for people who treat me badly. Now, I don't feel like I really had a choice to not take care of my children's basic needs. I don't think we do. We need to not deprive them of food and shelter and going to school and their basic things. But we do not have to give them goodies. We do not have to take them to their friend's house. We don't have to buy extra things. There are a lot of favors that we give our kids. Those are in my control. So I remember my teenager, my youngest, one day we were driving and she talked to me with some pretty bad attitude in the car on the way somewhere. And I just turned the car around and went home. She goes, what are you doing? I'm supposed to be there. What are you doing? And I said, well, I don't do favors for people who treat me poorly. That was in my control. I didn't have to do that. And it was a bad day, but she didn't do that in the future. She recognized that that was an expectation in our family was treating each other respectfully and not with attitude. All right. You can help them. What's your tool? Help them see their choices clearly. Talk it through with them. Help them know what will happen, you know, and actually better yet, ask them to consider what will happen if they do that. So what will happen if you keep hitting your friends. What will happen if you don't do this? You know, and let them begin to anticipate. Don't tell them all the answers. If you don't do that, this will happen. If you don't do that, da 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 da. That's our tendency is to give them all that information. Ask. So what what do you think would happen? And how do you feel about that? Will you feel good better about yourself or worse about yourself if you make that choice? So beginning to help them describe their choices and what will happen if they do them. And then our job is to, here's a tough one, sympathize with their consequences. When they make a bad choice, we need to sympathize with their consequences. That's a tough one. As opposed to, I told you so, that's the easy way to go. Don't do it. All right. Don't shame or scold your children's bad choices. Um, I told you it'd turn out that way. You don't need to do that. All right. Number five, accept that this is hard to do. Why? Because we have pride as parents. We're embarrassed. We fear failure as parents. We fear the outcomes. We have lots of fears. And so give yourself a break. It's really hard to do this. Six, take it to God. He is your role model. God gives us way more choices than we probably should have or, you know, lots of freedom to fail. Just think about how God hems you in before and behind but doesn't control you in the process. Scripture tells us that. Go to Scripture. Ask God to control your kids when you can't. He has has control you don't have. He has sovereignty you don't have. And then number seven, try it over again and again and again. Because if you screw it up the first time, here's the good news and the bad news. 
the behavior is just going to come right back. So you get to try it again a new way. So don't give up. Be resilient with your failures. Try it a new way the next time. Let your spouse to try it their way. Then you try it your way. See what happens. If it resolves itself, you never have to do it again, and it worked. Good enough. All right, so give yourself some freedom to do that. I want to go back very quickly, and let's talk about that. I already talked about the teenager not getting up on time. The toddler, you have choices. Are you going to carry them across the street? That's not a bad choice when they're really little. But better yet, if you can pull it off, is to sit at the side of the street and wait until they will hold your hand. Wait. Wait for obedience. Expect obedience. Look them in the face and say, I need you to hold my hand, and when you do, we'll cross the street. Give them the choice whenever you can. That middle school child line about your homework, oh, that's a longer story. I may save it for another day because we're almost out of time. But you have choices about teaching them and orchestrating it and figuring out what the teachers are going to do and working at that. But let the consequences be as natural as possible. That's my advice. What are the natural consequences for lying? Going back and apologizing. That's different than taking away their phone for a day. Let them get connected to their choices and their behaviors and the consequences of it. All right. That leads us very quickly to the end of our show. I want to thank you for joining me today. If you or your company want to support us or sponsor us, that would be great. Just email us, wellspringmiami.org. You can find us online. It's time to wrap up. This is Tova Kreps with Wellspring on the Air because hearts and minds matter. Wellspring on the Air is a production of Wellspring Counseling, a nonprofit professional counseling center with multiple locations in Miami-Dade County. Wellspring therapists are licensed by the state of Florida and Christian in their worldviews. They have wide ranges of clinical expertise, including marriage, family, anxiety, depression, and trauma. Their diverse group of therapists includes several who speak Spanish or Portuguese. If you would like to know more about Wellspring services of counseling and education, go to their website at wellspringmiami.org or give them a call at 786-573-7010 or email them at ontheair at wellspringmiami.org. Again, you can find a way to contact them at wellspringmiami.org.